The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Please stand out of respect for the words and works of Jesus. The Holy Gospel for this already the fourth Sunday after Epiphany is found in in Luke chapter 4. And I invite you, if you're at home, um, in just a second, the the words will come off your screen. And and so if you'd like to follow along, you're going to have to open up your Bibles at home. And if you're here with us at church, you'll, of course, have those sheets in front of you. And we're going to just look at this a little bit at a time. Here's what Luke gives us. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because... He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do in your home time what, you, what we, heard, we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his own town. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel at Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated.
It must have been quite a moment when Jesus got up to preach. I mean, if you look at how Luke tells the story here, he gets almost Spike Lee on this little part of the Bible. He gets very, very cinematic. And with his words and with his storytelling, it's as if he gets out a camera and he like, he like zooms in on the whole thing. He shows us, to, he shows us Jesus. And Jesus is handed the scroll of Isaiah. And then, and then he shows us Jesus and, and he carefully unrolls the scroll. And, and we don't know if, if this was the chosen lesson for the day or if Jesus chose the lesson himself. But for whatever reason, he ends up on Isaiah chapter 61 and he begins to read. But it was like, it was like nothing that, that people had ever seen before because really he didn't even need to read it. Because. He read it as if he had written it himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said. And then, and then he finishes reading Isaiah chapter 61, and, and Luke zooms in on the whole thing, and, and we see him rolling the scroll back up, and he hands it to the attendant. We have all these details, don't we? And it's just an amazing moment where, where you know the moments in church where, where the babies even know that they shouldn't cry? It's like a pin could drop. And, and it's dead silent in there. But so silent that there's like this holy hum going on. Like this, this sacred moment. And Luke says that every single eye in the church was absolutely fascinated on him. What's he going to say? And then he begins with his introduction. It's not one of those trite introductions that you've maybe heard from me or from all these other preachers. It's not one of those denigrating introductions that seems so worthless. Jesus simply starts. The first words out of His mouth is He says, Today, this Scripture is fulfilled right when I read it. And that's all we get. You know? That's all Luke tells us about Jesus' sermon. I, I, there's a part of me, it's like, oh, Luke, why, why didn't you write it down? Tell us exactly what Jesus said. We, or, tell us about Jesus' mission. Tell us about the, the, the meaning that Jesus gave to, to Isaiah 61. We want to know more. I wish we could have we heard Jesus say it. Like, I'm here. I'm here to proclaim the Gospel. I'm here to bring a message to all of the poor that you are rich in me. I am here to bind up your broken hearts. I'm here to bring light into darkness. I'm, I'm here to fix the world. My kingdom has come in this moment. I wish we had the sermon like recorded or written down or on a podcast, but we don't. Luke just just gives us the first words out of his mouth. 
And then he moves on. Like he, he, just, he just moves on to, to the reaction, to the reception that the people gave to Jesus. The response to the Word of God. Now this is where things get really interesting. And this is, this is where I'm picturing it. Luke doesn't tell us, but I'm, I'm picturing it that, that, that Jesus gave the sermon. They took the offering. They said the right prayers and did all the things that, that needed to happen in the synagogue that day. And everybody received the blessing. And then they're all walking out of church and they begin to have these conversations about the sermon, about Jesus and what happened that day in the synagogue. And... And at first, you know, the reviews are raving. That's what Luke tells us. Like, wow! <laughs> Wasn't that just the best sermon we ever heard? Man, can that guy preach? We, we thought his words were so full of grace and truth and, and our hearts were moved. But then something happened. Something happened. And it's almost as if this sermon, if we could picture the sermon like a baby, it begins to die. Like a partial birth abortion. And they begin to grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and they begin to reject the Word, but not only the Word, the Word made because they begin to say this question that seems so innocent. Isn't this Joseph's son? Seems like a, a, a normal question, but, but really, and Jesus knew it, they are undercutting the Word. They, they, are, they are cutting Jesus' legs off. They are, and this is my favorite way to put it, they are trying to domesticate Jesus. Isn't he Joseph's son? That was their response to the word. Now, we do this too with people. And I want to take it out of the spiritual realm for just a second and, and put it into the, into the realm of like, Logic. There's actually a category for this. It's called the ad hominem. And this is where instead of engaging with the idea, instead of engaging with the message, we try to attack the character or the person. It's called an ad hominem attack. And we do this with politicians. Like, let's say a governor, a governor rolls out a new policy. And instead of engaging with the policy itself or the new idea, we say, isn't this the same guy who... And then we could take this into the spiritual realm and say you're having a conversation with your, your atheist friend or your agnostic friend and you're trying to argue for the goodness of God or the existence of God, and then the person simply says this back because they really don't want to engage the idea or think about it. They say, Aren't Christians the people who hate? And you see what they've done? Instead of actually thinking through the message or the idea, 
They've attacked the character of the person. And that's exactly what happens here. Now, the reason why this all matters for us is because you get to hear sermons all the time and not just for me. And you have to think about your response to the message. You know how sermons often die? Maybe, maybe during the sermon you're, you're, you're sitting there like, wow, this is a great message. I, I, I need to think about this. And then you walk out of the church and all of a sudden the sermon starts to die. Isn't that the same guy who... And it's easy, right? Then you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to be offended anymore. You don't have to think about what the Word says anymore because you've undermined the guy's character. Isn't this the church body that... And then the sermon dies. You know, Jesus... <laughs> He knew that this was happening, that, that, that people were undermining His character in order to undermine the message. And so, there must have been this crowd of people, and Jesus actually preached twice on that particular Sabbath. And He, he picks up a text, because that's what a good preacher always does. And He, and he tells the people, look, I expected this. I knew it was going to happen. That's, this, this is what happens to all of God's prophets. People preach the Word and then they're rejected. I, I knew that this was going to happen. In, in fact, this has happened throughout the history of Israel. And he says, look, there was, there was lots of widows during Elijah's day. There were. They were right there in Israel, but God knew. God knew if Elijah would have been sent to them, they would have rejected the Word. So He sent he sent the, the prophet all the way to a foreign country inside him. Then he says, look, there, 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 was, there was so many leprous people in Israel at the time of Elisha. But God knew that if Elisha would have went to them, they would have rejected the Word and they would have rejected him. So, so God sent him all the way to Naaman. And I think that might be something that some of you need to hear this morning. If Jesus knocks on your spiritual door and says, I have good news for you. I'm here to bind up your heart. I'm here to set you free. I, I, I'm here to take you out of darkness. And you say, aren't you just... Joseph's son. And Jesus says to you that I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to go over there because people need to hear this message. We need to be so careful that if we reject the Word enough, if we grieve the Spirit enough, what happens? Eventually, the Spirit's going to move on. Eventually, Jesus is going to say, I'm going somewhere else. Am I, I'm going to leave you with your false gods? I'm going to leave you with your false beliefs? I'm going to leave you with your sin and your death because I came to you and you didn't want to hear it. Now, 
This is where things start to get crazy. <laughs> because when the people of Nazareth heard that, and that's a hard thing to hear. Maybe some of you are kind of angry with me right now. Well, they were furious. I mean, they, they formed a mob, like, uh, and they tried to lynch Jesus, in, and, and they went from zero to 60 in like 1.4 seconds, and all of a sudden they're driving him to the brow of the cliff, and they're going to throw him off. Now, I, I've, been, I've been to Nazareth. I, I can remember looking down over the cliff. And I can tell you this, that if, if, if you throw somebody off, it's not like one of those um, wily coyote kind of things where you just fall like 300, 400, or 1,000 feet and you just go splat. Nazareth is one of those things where there's boulders sticking out. So if you throw somebody out, they're going to go bunk, and then bunk, and then bunk all the way down. Until your body's broken. And I thought about this. I, I, I thought about this. Like You have to think about this too. Like, how did this happen? I'll bet, I'd be willing to bet that the people of Nazareth, these, these are farming people, these are, these are kind of um, small town values people, they had never done this to anyone in their life before. And I, I bet they look back in the moment and be like, did we really do that? Did we, did we really just take somebody to the edge of a cliff and almost throw them off? Never happened before, never happened again, but it happened to Jesus. Now, I, I want to be careful here about what I say next because I don't want to, to come off like I'm praising a mob. But, but um, there is a worse response to the Word of God and the Word made flesh than this. I, I give the people of Nazareth at least a little bit, get a bit of credit. and I, I'm, This is totally a wicked act what they did, but I give them a little bit of credit. At least they felt something. There was a there's a Holocaust survivor. His name is Eli Weasel. He said this: "The opposite of love isn't hate." That's kind of what the people of Nazareth felt. They didn't love Jesus; they hated him. But the opposite of love isn't hate; it's indifference. So, worse spiritual reaction than 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 hate. Then, then being offended and angry would be, I don't care. You hear Jesus say, like, this is the best news. This is the best news, right? Isn't it? God's anointed has come. <laughs> the true Messiah has been revealed. He's, he comes with good news. He died for you. He rose for you. He, he sets you free from your sins. And then to say, well, I don't really care. Like it would be to hear that message and then say, so? And, and then to hear Jesus say, well, if you don't really get this, if you don't take this to heart, I'm going somewhere else. And you're like, I still don't care. I, I can go on my, with my life. I, things can keep going on. I can keep heading to the grave and to hell itself. I don't care. I like my false beliefs and my false gods. 
Wouldn't that be a worse response? Total indifference. There's a, there's a third response that we haven't talked about today um, yet. Instead of hatefulness or indifference, a, a third response to the Word that is preached and the Word made flesh, a godly response might look something like this. That we would say, Jesus, thank You for showing to me my own blindness and for opening up my eyes. Jesus, thank You for showing to me my own poverty of spirit and for giving me Your riches. Jesus, thank You for giving us a Word that is not only vulnerable, because it is vulnerable, we can reject it. That's the big point today. But also giving us a Word that is absolutely relentless. It keeps going out. It keeps seeking after us. And Jesus... Thank You for walking through that crowd only to let Yourself be crucified to take my sin away. Thank You for rising from the grave for me. Thank You for loving me. One last thought before I leave you today, and it's this. We're told in the Gospel lessons that Jesus' own brothers at first rejected Him. You know that, right? Don't you think that they were one of the ones that pushed Him to the edge of the cliff in Nazareth? Like, I, I, think, I think about it this way. We don't know this for sure. This is a little bit of speculation. But when a hometown hero comes home, like Stephen Matz, and he just got traded by the Mets. I keep doing these Mets things. But wouldn't the whole family be there? Right to watch him pitch his first game. And wouldn't Jesus' whole family have been in that synagogue that day? And then they're driving to the edge of the cliff. Jesus walks right through and His brother's saying, this guy is off his rocker. But you know what happened later? When they saw how He died, and when Jesus personally appeared to them in His resurrection, they came to faith. And Jesus didn't hold this event against them. That is His love for you. Just don't take advantage of His love. Amen. Amen.